This gospel reading pushes and pulls me in two different directions, two words or feelings, and they seem opposites. On one hand, I'm astounded, amazed. On the other, shocked, almost horrified. When Jesus taught in the synagogue, people, they were astounded. Jesus taught differently as one having authority. And the people reacted with astonishment. It's as if they were shocked at what they heard. Jesus made them stop. Something was different and unique about what Jesus was saying or perhaps how he was saying it. The gospel moves on from Jesus' teaching and we read about a man crying out, disrupting the whole service. There is convulsing and more crying, but then calm. Jesus cleansed the man, the demon gone. That chaotic image, though, of the man tormented, it's startling. Chaotic, outcrying, almost an attack on Jesus. A shocking moment with horror and chaos of possession. Then the words from Jesus, be silent and come out of him. The man was cleansed, he was healed. And again, that feeling of amazement, astonishment. But then it is Jesus. So who shouldn't be, who wouldn't be astonished? What about now? The church, the church is the body of Christ. All of us as members called to restore all people to unity with God and each other in Christ. But when it comes to church, I don't often hear people react with amazement or astonishment. Seems more often when people hear of Christianity and church, they think of hypocrisy. And those are the feelings much more highlighted in the world that's what shocks and horrifies. Not Jesus' teaching, but our failures. The perception that the church does not astound and amaze, that we as a faith community don't shock people with the powerful presence of God, that saddens me. And it disappoints me. I do, though, think that it is only a perception and that we can change that perception by preaching the reality. The reality is that Christianity, that the church, that this church of Trinity by the Cove, that you and that we are a place where people are amazed and astonished. One of the pieces of my life as a priest is death. I've been called on to be with families as a loved one dies, to give last rites, to pray for people as they breathe their last, and to mourn and cry with those who are left behind. I have seen our clergy offer loving care and kindness. Just a month ago on Christmas Eve, the clergy had their full attention 
to worship, giving communion, focus on preaching and prayer and caroling. But in between those last two services, we received a call. One of your fellow parishioners was in the hospital and had taken a turn for the worse. So Father Nicholas raced to the hospital, as much as I needed him here, with worship. A parishioner nearing eternal life trumps all. So Nicholas visited, and he prayed. He sang last rites. Death visited soon thereafter, and eternal life began. But in a world that perceives the church with skepticism, pastoral care is amazing. And it's not just the priests here who amaze. Just about every Sunday I stand renewed, amazed by you. So many facets, but the one I'd highlight now is the idea and practice of hospitality. You don't always get it perfect, but I have heard and seen people express how amazed they are that when they come to this church, someone spoke to them, welcomed them. We all of us have, after all, experienced churches that are unfriendly, unwelcoming. But you don't model that way. And that is astonishing. And it's beautiful. So hold on to that beauty, the authority, and Jesus in amazement for a moment. I would be remiss if I didn't touch on darkness. I have strong opinions on evil, its presence, and its consuming power on people. I've seen it. But let's set aside that little literal reality and think instead of possession in terms of what captures our minds and imaginations. What is it that distracts us or blindfolds us? What possesses you? What distracts you? That may be a little uncomfortable. So alternatively, imagine a friend or family member who doesn't come to church. What so distracts that person in your mind that the idea of coming to church is met with a shrug of indifference or even worse, violent disavowal? There's a wonderful choral work by Haydn. The music and the words, they are paired to amaze. In Latin, the first phrase is insane et vane cure. The fuller translation in English, frantic and futile anxieties invade our minds. They fill our hearts with madness, depriving them of hope. What is the use of striving after earthly things if you neglect the heavenly? So Google it when you get home. Listen. Insane et vane cure. And as you listen, you'll note the opening is elementally powerful and it calls to mind a storm. Hard to describe music, but there is a starkness in the orchestral texture contrasting with clashes 
in the vocal parts. Spiritually, we can see that disorder in the music is the consequence of a lack of hope, stemming from an insufficient acknowledgement of the place of the divine in life. But then in the music, a calmness and order sets in. The soprano and alto parts interweave in beauty, reminding us of hope and that it is of heavenly origin. So now the reprise has a purpose. We know why earthly cares afflict us, and we await confirmation that salvation is possible. The return of the upper voices gives us optimism, and the piece ends with reassurance that all will be well with God on our side. When you listen to it this afternoon, add into your listening prayer and self-examination. As the music swirls around you, wonder, what is possessing me? What earthly things, what anxieties, what is it that is storming in my mind and blowing me off course from my trust and my amazement of God's love and authority? Our lives are neglected if we do not seek and expect to be amazed by God. Each of us will be amazed in different ways through our worship or through fellowship or teaching or serving. But just as we are amazed and astonished by God, it is our sacred calling to be vessels of the same to the world and to other people. Not all that we do will astonish people. Our community does not always astonish, but I wish it did. I hope it will. In my ministry, I hope that my life astonishes someone at some point so that God's love might be known in this world, even by a single person. The Christian life is not meant to be boring and stale. It's not meant to be captured and possessed by frantic and earthly and futile anxieties. Christian life, your life, is meant to be filled with shocking love, amazing peace, astonishing revelation. That's what I want for my life, and I commend it to you.